0: We continue with our sermon series on the Proverbs. Um, This is the third sermon. Proverbs, you know, I I think they're the the poor the poor brother or poor sister of Bible books. Uh, They don't seem real theological. They don't use big words like salvation and reconciliation and justification and sanctification. Uh, it's hard to say that they're specifically Christian. They're not even specifically religious. Uh, you can find things like this in Poor Richard's Almanac. Uh, that said, the the proverbs um, they show a common ground among people, and there's a kind of a universality. Uh, to the Proverbs regardless of one's religion, one's background. You know, a stitch in time saves nine, whether you're Christian, Jewish, I- Islam, or, or Baha'i. You know, a stitch in time saves nine. Um, and then, you know, whatever a person's theology, whatever their doctrine, whatever their, their faith, eventually it has to be lived. And the Proverbs are about living. They are about you know, our anger, our lying, our cheating, our sense of fairness, our sense of, of discipline and productivity. You know, Kierkegaard says that Christianity is not a sum of sentences. It's a life. Christianity is something that has to be lived. And that's kind of the message of Proverbs, you know that they, they have to be lived. I mean, Jesus says, you, "You can call me Lord, Lord, but you still to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit those in prison. And that's what Proverbs is about. So far, the sermons have dealt with the qualities of, of what make for a healthy, fulfilled life. Listen to your heart's desire. Get rid of the negative stuff. Think about how the present will shape the future. And this week is the qualities for a healthy, productive life, worthwhile life, are do something and be like the ant. Persevere. You know, do something. How often is it that is our response, you know, We hear that somebody's sick. If there's something I can do for you, can I take a meal to you? Do you want me to drive you somewhere? Do something. You know, I I think of of the memorial service in Dayton in August after the mass shooting in the Oregon district where the governor was giving his speech and the crowd just interrupted him and started chanting, do something, do something, do something. Was proud to be from Dayton. That's what we want. Do something about this. When we, when we say do something, the issue really is what can I do to make the situation better? What can I do to make the situation better? Yeah. This lifts up the difference between guilt. And responsibility. I can be responsible for things I'm not guilty of. In this neighborhood, if the issue isn't parking, it's trash. You know, you go through the alleys and there's trash mattresses, bed frames, desks chest of drawers and you hear people complaining about the trash, well do something, call the city, email bulk pickup. They're glad to pick up this stuff. What can I do to make the situation better? Take responsibility. What we do begins with what we believe we can do. Sometimes we think we're underqualified for something. Sometimes we think we're overqualified for something. Many of us know yes, but people. They'll ask us for advice, we'll give it to them, and they'll respond, yes, but, and give you the reasons why they can't do it. Doing something begins with what we believe we can do. Often when we say we can't do something, what we really mean is I won't do something. And then there's pessimism and optimism. Optimism believes that things will just be fine and i don't have to do anything it'll work out pessimism thinks things stink, and they're irredeemable and nothing can be done and i don't have to do anything in that sense optimism and pessimism have the same result i don't do anything rebecca solnit talks about naive cynicism i find that a fascinating phrase naive cynicism it's an oxymoron because Cynics don't appear to be naive. They appear to know everything. But cynics think in terms of absolutes. It will not work. They think in terms of perfection. These are the flaws. They think in terms of purity. Here's what's wrong. Here's the fly in the ointment. And so there's nothing to do that nothing can be done. And she says, they're naive. They're just naive, thinking that they have all the answers. They don't have all the answers. And it's naive to act as if they do. Hope is different from cynicism. It's different from optimism, and it's different from pessimism. Hope says that the future is unpredictable and that maybe what I do will make a difference and impact the future. William Sloan Coffin used to tell us when we were in school that the real exciting things in life and the things that he commits to are not the things that are going to happen regardless of whether he commits to it or not. And not the things that will never happen regardless of whether he commits to it or not. Where his real interest lay was in the things that were around 30 to 40 percent that there's a chance it might work if he commits to it. You know, When we talked about starting a new church you know, there was a 30 to 40% chance that it would work. That's where the excitement is. That's where the interest is. That's where we commit our energy. That's where the future is unpredictable, but we might make a difference if we do something. Paul talks about work out your salvation in fear and trembling. It isn't work for your salvation in fear and trembling. Salvation is already assured in Jesus. It's work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Do something. Work to make a difference in the church and in the world and in the kingdom of God. Take a chance. When we do something We take responsibility for our lives. We're not passive spectators and victims of what's going on. We have agency. We are driving the car of our life. I can blame you for what you do to me. But I can't blame you for what I do in response for what you do to me. That's up for me to decide, and I'm free. And for freedom, Christ has set us free in how we do something. Do something. Make the first move. Don't we often find ourselves in that? Well, I'll do it if you do it. I'll talk to her if she talks to me. I'll go out on a limb. If you go out on a limb. And we find ourselves, we always do this when we enter a building and somebody comes at it and we come at it together and it's always, well, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. And we just stand there never taking a step. Take the first step. Make the call. Confront. Confront. Stop doing something. Separate from that which is damaging. Help. Get help. As Red says in Shawshank Redemption, we need to get busy living or get busy dying. Now one of the deterrents for doing something, at least for me, is that I expect it all at once one of my problems with the computer is I want to know it all now and if I can't figure it out all now you hear me yell from my office Colleen Amy Beth I want it all now I don't have the patience and the proverb today talks about the ant the ant doesn't build it all at once the ant builds it one grain at a time learn from the ant have that perseverance of the ant think about that crazy little ant who thinks it can move a rubber tree plant everyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant but it has high hopes it has high hopes it has High apple pie in the sky, I hope. So when you're getting down, little like losing ground, think about that ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Okay. And that's in Proverbs. Read Proverbs, you'll find that song. Okay. And Sinatra is in trouble. Okay, just just know that. The ant does it one grain at a time. One step at a time. Years ago, I heard an interview on BBC with Mother Teresa. And the interviewer asked her how she could have helped 42,000 people. And she said, I didn't help 42,000 people, I helped one. And then I helped one, and then I helped one. And it just added up. I used to look at Russian novels as an incredible hurdle that I would never read one because they're so big and those names Well, you just start with page one. And there's wonderful literature, just one page and then the next page and then the next page. We think about that with our faith. I want it now. I want to understand it now. I want a relationship with God now. And it takes time. The patience of an ant We want a better relationship with our our partners. It takes time. It takes steps. One of the things when we do something with perseverance, there are unintended benefits. Things happen that we just didn't anticipate along life's journey. having been in the ministry this long there are lots of unintended benefits I've experienced. I never really thought about taking mission trips when I was ordained and over the years I've been to Nicaragua and Guatemala and Honduras and Mexico and Jamaica and Puerto Rico not all at once, but one step at a time. This past Monday, on uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross, she interviewed Brian Stevenson. He wrote the book Just Mercy, which is a which is a movie now. And um, he he is also uh, his work is about. Uh, people who have been unfairly, unjustly convicted and are on death row awaiting execution. And his, his work is to uh, prove their innocence and, and rele- get them released from prison. And another thing that he does is he, he chronicles racism in our country, and he's, he's founded the Museum for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, and it's, it's a... Um, memorial to, to blacks who have been lynched in American history. And one of the things a person can do, uh, can do in relationship to the museum is receive a, an empty jar and uh, a sheet of paper that describes a person who has been lynched. And then the person is asked, to go where that person was lynched and fill the jar with dirt of the lynching site and bring it back to the museum. And so the dirt from all over the United States is is on display from the grounds of the lynching. A middle-aged black woman um, went into the museum and uh, asked what she could do and they, they gave her an empty jar and the sheet of paper. And um, she went to the site of this particular lynching. And um, she was afraid. She wasn't sure of herself. But she got down on her hands and knees and started digging and putting dirt in the jar. And a pickup truck driven by a white man slowed down as he drove past and looked at her and then drove on. She got a little nervous. Soon the car, the pickup truck came back and slowed down and stayed longer looking at her and she was alone in this remote rural area. She got more scared truck drove on, came back a third time, and drove by her, but this time it stopped, and he stared at her, and he got out of the truck, and she said he was a large man, and she was really scared at this point, and he approached her, what are you doing? And she thought of lying and saying, I'm digging up dirt for my garden. But she decided to tell the truth, and she said, On this site in 1931, a black man was lynched. And I'm digging up dirt to put in the jar to take to the memorial, the Museum of Peace and Justice. And he stood there and looked at her, and he said... Is that paper the story of what happened? Yes. Can I read it? And he read it. And then he said, Can I help you? And she said, Sure. And he got down on all fours, and she gave him her trowel, and she started to dig with her hands, and, she, and he said, No, you keep the trowel, I'll dig with my hands, and she said that he really went at it, and his hands were were black with the dirt, and she started to cry at what she was seeing, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I've upset you, and she said, you know, I I, I feel blessed that you're helping me, And, and they continued to fill this jar with the dirt. And when they were done she looked over and she saw that he was shaking and sobbing and and she said I'm I'm sorry that you're upset and he said I'm thinking that is it possible that my grandparents were part of the mob that lynched this man And they sat there in silence and she said you know I'd like to have you take a picture of me with my jar and he said sure will you take a picture of me with the jar and they took pictures of each other and then they decided to go together to the museum and together give their jar to the museum, the middle-aged black woman and the white man in the pickup truck. She talked about how that event redeemed the ground and brought about reconciliation between her and this white man and that they had both done something toward racism. Not everybody can tell a story like that, but they can because they did something. There are unintended benefits to doing something and nothing is lost in God's economy, a healthy, fulfilled, worthwhile life does something. It asks, What can I do to make the situation better? May it be so. Amen.